Congratulations. You made it to the Xville. You can sit back and relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Congratulations. You made it to the X-Phil. You can... S- oh, wait. You already did that. <laughs> hey there. Mike, a.k.a. MTP Trigger here. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT. And our goal is to get better at the game. And we hope you come along with us for that journey. This week, we are diving back into listener questions. It's been a while, so we had a bit of a backlog, but there are some excellent strategy-based questions, and we wanted to do some gameplay-focused strategy questions, and we've mixed a couple other ones in there, but we anticipate getting through, you know, three to six of these, because uh, you kind of know how we do. We'll probably get into it and get a little bit spicy. So, hideout keeping this week. I don't know about you, Eric, but my stash is looking clean. My hideout is running on all cylinders. There is not a dust bunny in any corner in my hideout right now. So I don't have anything to report on. We don't have any updates. We don't have anything going on. I just want to say welcome to anybody who's brand new listening, anybody who's joined the Discord community, anybody who found the YouTube catalog and is listening through the YouTube catalog. Just want to say welcome. Hope you're uh, having great raids here as we enter into the mid-wipe. And just hope that, uh, you know, you're getting what you want out of Tarkov. And that's it. Welcome. Glad to have you. Hey, what's up, everybody? This week, I'd like to specifically shout out and welcome everybody who is watching through the episodes on YouTube. We're getting comments on all of the catalog of episodes that are up on YouTube. And we can tell from looking at what's going on that... People are, are enjoying the past catalog of the x on YouTube. So shout out to everybody on YouTube. Glad to have you there. As always, the best way to get in touch with me is a DM in Discord or tag me in a message in one of the Discord channels. We're always checking Discord throughout the day, chatting with people, and uh, that is the best way to get a hold of us. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, uh, you can follow me at Ronald Gaming. And a couple times a week, I hang out in MTB Trigger's Twitch stream at twitch.tv slash MTB Trigger. We hang out, watch Trigger, play games, shoot people, whatever, and just talk about silly things. Outside of that, if you have something more formal that you'd like to get to the show, you can send that to xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. And support for this episode is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Use code XFIL, that's E-X-F-I-L, for 20% off and free shipping on your order. Manscaped.com, the best in men's grooming hardware and product. Code XFIL for your discount there. Other ways to support the show. The best one is always share it with a friend or share it somewhere on the internet. Whether that's Reddit, Twitter, or something fancy we don't even know about. We appreciate any time you share the show with somebody who's looking for more Tarkov content. If you want to support us directly, You can use Patreon for as little as $1 a month, or you can subscribe to my Twitch channel, which Ronald just plugged, and you can do that for free if you already have an Amazon account. You get one free subscription, which helps us directly if you subscribe to my channel. So yeah, if you're looking for me 
directly. It's MTB Trigger on Twitter, Twitch, and Discord. But I think we should get into it, sir. Ronald, how was your week, man? How was your week in Tarkov? Good week in Tarkov this week. I'm kind of at that mid-30s now where I'm at, I think, right around level 35, 36. Hideout is complete. I spent my 14, 14, 15 million on solar power, which means fuel has gone from being a daily shortage when they start messing with things to now completely not mattering. I still, I know I talked about it last week, but I still can't get over how different it is when you have six fuel cans that last for 300 hours and you came from a spot where you're trying to get one fuel can for just, you know, 12 hours or 24 hours even. So pretty crazy with that. The game itself, I've been doing a lot of tasking, getting through uh, Peacekeeper's tasks. So that would be the spa tour and cargo something and the wet job tasks. Got through a lot of those. I love Shoreline, so I've been able to sneak around and get a few of those tasks done uh, with your help and then a couple of other ones done. I'll talk more about that because we've got a great question about PvP that we'll be able to discuss and get into some of that a little bit. But overall, I'd say a good week of just progressing. And like I'd mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I don't, I'm not super interested in getting Kappa. If I do end up getting that far down the tasking system, it'll just kind of be a byproduct of playing the game. For this wipe, my goal is to get to level 40 and then just kind of enjoy the game from there by being able to purchase a number of the things that you need in game from the traders instead of on the flea market. I kind of want to get to that point and really test out playing the game in that way. Everybody tells me that that's, you know, such a great thing. So I have never gotten to level 40 yet. The last wipe, I think I got to level 38, and then Battlestate reset the game on me. So we'll see how far I can get this time around. Right as you were ready to like dive in heavy to PvP. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to dedicate like 50 million to just doing nothing but PvP and rocking it. And then we started over again. So overall, good week. And uh, yeah, how about you, man? Yeah, good week. Um, it, it's interesting. Similarly to you, or at least what you were saying about getting to your goal and then figuring out what you want to do. That was my week last week, you know. I had already met kind of my initial case goal. I wanted four thick items cases. I know that sounds crazy, but I met that a couple weeks back. And then just through playing the game, I kind of got to Kappa through just playing with other people and progressing and getting stuff done. And once I realized I was close, I just sort of decided to grind it out. So this last week, I haven't spent a ton of time in game because I, I kind of wanted a break after that last seven days of Kappa grind which was a lot of doing things over and over and over and just kind of succumbing to the RNG of Tarkov, which is rewarding in its own sense when you complete it, but during it is absolutely exhausting. So following that, I had the Punisher tournament qualification, talked about it last week that we got the 35 kills posted up for that, so hoping to get into that tournament. Since then, the last week, you know, I've been farming my Bitcoin farm, and really I I've been doing something interesting on Factory. You know, I want to stay fresh on Factory because if I get into this tournament, I want to feel really good about being competitive and, and putting up a good performance. So originally, after I got Kappa, I was going to spend a lot of time in labs. But I think I'm going to wait to do that until after this Factory tournament if I get in. So what I've done is changed up the way that I farm Factory a little bit because if you've ever seen my stash... A lot of people know that I poured a tremendous amount of guns, magazines, ammo, all of that 
And so what I've forced myself to do is if I'm going to farm factory, as soon as I've taken a gear kit or a full kit, you know, so helmet, headset, bag, armor, you know, not nades and all that, but that's kind of the basic, right? Helm, headset, armor, vest, or tack rig, and a bag, I put that into my stash. And then anything else I take off of other players, I sell. And that's different for me. Normally, I would hoard guns if they were any kind of gun that I could use. And so I'll upgrade the gun that's in that bag. And so it's not like a zero to hero, but it's basically next raid ready is kind of the way I'm handling it. And then farming rubles that way. The idea is I need a pretty significant amount of money to do the Punisher qualification runs. And I'll probably do a couple more of those before the applications are closed, because if I can score better than 35, that's great. But it takes a tremendous amount of gear and ammo and prep to put together a good run. And I didn't realize how much, but it costs, I mean, it was like six or seven million worth of gear that you have to have ready. And you have to be ready to lose it and gear up really quick. And that comes in the form of stims and high-end ammo and all of that. So that's kind of what I've been doing on Factory. I've been kind of rounding out my cases. I bought the last couple of mag cases and ammo boxes. So I've got my 10 mag boxes, my 10 ammo cases. They're all by caliber and starting to organize everything into it. So my own little hoarding paradise in my uh, stash screen is, is really coming together nice. That's awesome. I think uh, everyone should check out your stream to actually see your hoarding in real time because it's pretty incredible and way over the top. Like you'd probably be the first guest on the Tarkov Hoarder show. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad, man. Like I, it, I'm sitting here thinking about all the room that I just created in my stash and I'm like, oh man, I could put so many guns there. It's so much room for activities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, they say that if you wipe with more than one credit, it's a waste. But I kind of think like in your case, it's like if you wipe with more than a hundred million in stash worth, it's just not done yet. <laughs> I the last wipe because of the surprise. I had so much stuff that I was going to use at some point that just never saw the light of day. So I'm trying to not do that this time around, but I don't, I'm I'm a collector, man. Ever since you know playing Magic: The Gathering as a kid, and I, I've always been a collector of some sort. And even when I played Diablo two back in the day, you know, I would create mules, which were basically you would create a character to hold items, and there were certain items that every time I found one, I kept it. You know, so for any of you Diablo two junkies out there. There was an item called the Shaco, the Shaco, and it was a green helm that was really like, it was good on every single character, basically. Harlequin Crest, I believe, is the name of the actual item. It didn't matter what defense, anything. I had characters full of them, and I'm talking plural. Their stash, their bag, just how I play these types of games. And if you've uh, seen the Diablo inventory system, it looks a lot like Tarkov, so... Yeah, maybe that's why. I don't know. Or I'm just crazy. I don't really care either way. I enjoy it. So <laughs> I think it's interesting. It's like what to keep in Tarkov and what not to keep. You know, eventually you end up having like gear fear to the point where you keep things that are just taking up inventory space that you're never going to use. Right. And then you get over that and you lose it all. And then you feel frustrated because you lost the things that you've been staring at for like months you know, in one bad raid to some Chad who doesn't deserve it. <laughs> and then it becomes like, you know, what to keep and what not to keep. 
this wipe, I've done everything totally different. My stash is kind of a hot mess, and I just play the game and don't really keep much and just sell everything and buy what I need. It's almost the opposite of your very well-organized and uh, groomed stash of everything. <laughs> it's just kind of funny to me. Everything needs a case. <laughs> if it's not a case, it's wrong, okay? <laughs> Yep, yep, you, you, exactly. And and it's great. It's great. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's just funny to me. <laughs> no, there might be. I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> it's awesome. I Like, if Battlestate ever came out and said you can only have, like, one of each case or something, or they if they limit it in some kind of way, like, it, it's going to just be, like, straight dagger to the heart. I'm going to have such a big problem with that. But what's interesting, though, is even at the beginning of the wipe, even starting out, it doesn't stress me out at all, right? I can work with not having cases, but I really do enjoy my items case that has, you know, the two holodilnics in it. It's got the two med cases in it, and we've got the painkillers, the stims, the healing stuff. It's It's all got its own nice little spot. It's beautiful. You know, it's funny is, you know, my wife has to get on me for cleaning stuff in the house, but boy, if she saw my stash in Tarkov, she would be pumped, man. Like, she, she would be all about it. <laughs> Remember, it's not OCD, it's CDO. You got to get the letters in the right order. Exactly. Yep, I do have Tarkovian CDO. That's an absolute thing. <laughs> but uh, it's funny. I mean, all, I decide this. I'm excited for tonight, right? And this is, as you can probably tell, this is much more of a loose format because our whole plan was to take some questions, some really good questions that have been posed to us over the last few weeks. And we haven't done this um, in the last few months. We did take a couple of listener questions and actually they turned into their own episode, really. But we had a couple of really good ones that, that we wanted to go through. So basically what we've got here is all we've done is normally we would do some sort of prep and try to have some sort of order, which we never follow anyway. But tonight, all we've done is gone through and pulled the questions off of YouTube and Discord and DMs and, and put them into a document here. And I don't know what Ronald thinks about these. He doesn't know what I think about these. And some of them may be pretty quick answers. Some of them may be just we, we get into a crazy discussion on. We don't have any plans for this episode at all. So other than the, the who wrote them and what the question is, that's what we're going to do. So not any particular order. But I can tell Ronald already read them because he alluded to one being PvP based, which sounds like he is fully torqued and ready to go for this. So let's jump right into it. We have the first question comes to us from Mr. Knight. And Mr. Knight writes, I've been struggling a lot when outnumbered. Personally, I would like to hear about how do you handle 1v2, 1v3, or 1 versus an unknown number of enemies? What do you do in those situations? I know just getting out is an option, but sometimes I'm protecting a buddy's loot or I'm not sure I can escape the enemies. Well, the short answer is you die <laughs> in that situation. <laughs> no, no, not in all seriousness. <laughs> I mean, most likely you're going to die in that situation. So I, I, if you're looking for the Oracle of Wisdom, you're probably going to die. <laughs> But my short answer would be, it's very situational on what map you're on. If you're in a 1v3 situation on a big map where you have cover and you can maybe slip away and retreat and maybe change your angle easy, you know, you might have a chance. 
if you're in a 1v3 situation in factory, you're probably in trouble. <laughs> uh, not saying it's not impossible, but if you're defensive in a 1v3 situation in an enclosed area in Tarkov, you have to really be very intentional about how much you give away about your position and how you fire at the enemy. Because every time you fire, every time you decide to engage one of those players, two of the other players are no longer being paid attention to you by what you're doing. And so those two players can get that extra leg up on you. And it just comes down to skill. I mean, and I'm talking to myself here because if I was given 10 1v3 situations, I'm not sure if I win more than three or four of them. It's a playtime thing. It's an FPS skill thing, not just even in Tarkov. But it's something I do believe that with time and effort, you can get better at and overcome. But there's so much variability in the way that people play. If you have three people throwing grenades at you, you're going to die. <laughs> it doesn't matter how good you are or how much armor you have in. There's just nowhere to go. If you're in an enclosed place, like in a building or something like that, if you're out in the forest, you know, you can pop a stim and maybe run away in retreat. But if you're trying to protect your buddy's gear or something like that, you have to remember that there are times in Tarkov where living is the ultimate victory and protecting a pile of loot for a friend. Even if you die, you have to make that choice. I'm willing to lose as well. And sometimes you can't win both. I guess my short answer without hearing Trigger's thoughts would be, you really have to make a choice about if living is not as important as learning and getting something out of the encounter, which you could possibly take to the next encounter and be better, then you shouldn't run right in. But if you have a task that's complete or you have some other reason why living is important, then you're probably better off retreating. This is a fascinating question and some of the stuff that you just talked about is great because we have very different perspectives on pvp you and i i live for these scenarios this is what i seek out this is what drives my enjoyment in tarkov is can i overcome this is my skill level high enough to take out multiple enemies even if i don't know how many there are but before i talk about how i handle that and what i think through ronnie you said something really really critical you said you have to make a choice. And there is a point where in any situation where you're outnumbered, whether you were solo or you were playing with somebody else and you referenced the protecting your buddy's loot, Mr. Knight. So I kind of want to talk about that for a second because recently, Ronald and I have been doing a lot of factory. We've been intentionally getting into more PvP. And what typically happens when we do that is we both play a little bit out of our comfort zone. I play a very strategic, sound-based, take PvP wherever I possibly can on Factory. Ronald, he plays similarly, and we both play solo. So when we're playing together, we have a slight disadvantage over the way we normally play sound. And what happens with that as we're learning that is we get ourselves into predicaments where we're hearing stuff and we don't know who it is and we're talking too much and we miss a little sound cue. And then one of us dies. And when he was talking, what it reminded me of is a couple situations where I died, he's alive, he had a choice to make. And this is actually really cool. The reason I'm focused on this choice piece is you have to get to the point where you're comfortable in the scenario where you have enemies or an enemy and you have the frame of mind to make a choice. There will be a time in this game when you're new or even if you've been playing a long time and you're just not a PvPer 
or you haven't really dug into that yet, where you don't even get to the point where you're actively making a choice. You're just reacting. The choice is critical, and you've got to get to the choice, especially when it comes to protecting your buddy's loot. Because recently, and this is not the way it was, and Ronald, if you want to speak to this, you can, but it's one of the coolest things that I've seen in the PvP progression in playing with Ronald. Again, we both play a little different when we play together, but I would die, and my loot's out there, and I'm like, dude, just get out. I've got plenty of gear. I'll, I'll get the gear up. And verbally, recently, he said, nope, I'm going to protect the gear. I want to figure this out. I don't care either way. But at that point, I'm there to support. I'm there to help. I try to listen on his Discord stream or try to say, hey, here's what I think is going to happen. But then I have to be quiet and, and let him play it out. And we've had some incredible successes, even if one of us has died in that scenario. And there's been times where he's died first and he's like, no, I had a class four and just a, a hunter or something. Don't worry about it. And so there's a choice. There's a choice. Well, OK, well, I want to get the enemy. I want to avenge you. Or do I just want to get out so that we can keep playing and get into the next raid? There is a choice. You have to get to the point where you recognize the choice. So before we go forward, do you have anything to add to that? Because I really do think you hit on something critical in these outnumbered situations. You have to make a choice in Tarkov. Do you want to take a situation and turn it into a learning experience? Or do you want to have a guaranteed reset and keep going? There's nothing wrong with having a guaranteed reset. Retreat, try again. Retreat, try again until you're comfortable. But at some point, if you're going to progress into being able to do some of the more advanced things in Tarkov and do them well, you're going to have to say, I'm willing to die as many times as it takes to progress my skills past the next point. It's not an easy thing to do. It's incredibly frustrating. You are correct in that it is a little bit different, and I have gotten frustrated with the game. I have had to take a couple days breaks because progressing in Tarkov and beating your head against the wall, doing the same thing, is not fun after a while. <laughs> But then you jump back in after a couple of days break and you're like, yeah, I learned a few things. So let's try that a little differently. And then your skill level is higher the next time you go into that situation. I think if you're going to make the choice to learn, be prepared to be frustrated. But then when you start to overcome whatever you're trying to get better at, it's a pretty great feeling of success. In this particular situation, we should break down how you'd handle being outnumbered. Yeah, and I kind of mentioned, right, I, I love these scenarios, especially if I'm solo, right? And not necessarily that my partners died, but working in strategic situations where you're outnumbered. If you play solo, it's going to happen. It is very, very common that you run into multiple enemies. And so thinking about it and working through it is something I just, I love. So I guess here's the way that I handle these situations. Immediately upon hearing enemies or entering into a place where I believe there are multiple enemies, I always think about where did I come from? Can I go back that same way? And what are the other exits available to me? It's not that I'm planning on disengaging the fight, but sometimes I need to change the fight slightly. So think about dorms, for example. If you're on the third story of dorms, on customs, there are two exits on either side of that floor. You can go out the metal staircase back towards the middle of the map. You can go 
out onto the roof and jump off onto the metal fence, or you can go down the middle staircase into the middle of dorms. So there's two exits on either side, like I said, then there's one in the middle. So if you hear PMCs below or shooting happens, or you had a partner and they died and they saw multiple enemies, you have to immediately identify, in my opinion, what's available to you for leaving or changing the scenery of the fight. At that point, you then have to ask yourself this question, and you've probably heard me say this over the past few episodes, here's what I believe is going on, what am I going to do about it? It really doesn't matter what you choose, that will have an effect on how the enemy plays. If you decide to make no noise and wait, the enemy isn't hearing anything, which means they will probably proceed with caution. They will clear every room. They will check all of the angles. They will use grenades to try to flush you out. So if you're going to make no noise and you commit to that, you gotta kind of stick to making no noise and hope that you're out of grenades way or that you position yourself out of the way of an easy grenade and you hold a good angle. If you're standing in the middle of the room and trying to time it as they cross the door, versus standing in the corner and taking an angle where they could only come from one spot, these are the little things you learn as you try that more and more. If you're being aggressive and moving around a lot and jumping and running up and down stairs and throwing grenades, they may have to react more defensively, right? So there's not a wrong answer on how to prep or how to take on one of these situations. And this is a huge misnomer in PvP situations. Chads don't win every battle. Rats don't win every battle. And I'm using those terms right now because there's just everyone kind of knows what they mean. And there's really no wrong answer because whatever you do will affect the enemy. But you have to make the choice. What am I going to do? If you if you go sit in a room and don't make any noise and then when they get close, you get nervous and you start turning your character or making noise or checking your inventory or doing something that the enemy can hear, you've effectively ruined the strategy you chose. And you may not even realize you did it, right? And then they kill you and you're like, what? <laughs> right? But maybe you turned, maybe you fidgeted or you looked at your inventory or you checked the ammo in your gun and they heard that little noise, which is all they needed to make an action. So know your exits, pick your strategy and execute it. Regardless of the outcome, you're going to learn something. If you choose an aggressive strategy and die, we've talked about it a ton, record your gameplay. Watch what happened. Why did you die? What could you have done better? But ultimately, that's it. Pick a strategy. Now, there are times, too, where in the middle of a fight, you need to change your strategy, right? If you're outnumbered and you're not making any noise, but then you see somebody cross in front of you and you hear someone behind you, you may need to flip, go aggressive, and kill the person that crossed and then go aggressive towards the other person. It's okay to switch strategies as long as you're making the decision and you're not just kind of like not actively choosing what to do. And I know it's hard, but I guess that's the way I break it down. Know your exits, pick your strategy, and execute it. I die in this game all the time, but I'm now at a point where I have like a three to one PMC kill death ratio. And I really think what it comes down to is executing my strategies or executing what I choose to do in these outnumbered situations. And oftentimes, look, if you're in a 1v3, they're trying to communicate on where you are and you don't have anybody else in your ear and only thing that's going on is enemy noises. So anything you hear is to your advantage. So being outnumbered is not necessarily a disadvantage in this game. 
It can be, though, and, and again, Ronald, you pointed out some great, great points, which if you're in an enclosed area and they're grenading in there, pretty good chance you're going to die. If you've cornered yourself and you get outnumbered, that can be really hard. And there are certain maps, there are certain areas where that happens, but that's when you got to look back and say, how did I get into this scenario? Did I have to get into this scenario? And that's the learning process of Tarkov. It will be frustrating. It will be hard. And there's times where you need to take a break and that's okay. I do it all the time. You know, if I get wrecked over and over and over again, I'll, I'll play something else for a few days. That's okay. But I wouldn't shy away from these and don't feel bad regardless of your strategy. You don't have to engage in PVP. If you successfully are quiet and are outnumbered and they leave, that is a win. <laughs> that is a win. You survived. So anyway, I know I got on the soapbox there, but super important pick your strategy, execute it. I really like this question because it addresses one of my uh, really favorite things to say about Tarkov. <laughs> and it's kind of a spicy take, but I'm going to say it anyways, because you said we were going to get spicy. So we got to get spicy a little bit. One of my favorite takes is that Tarkov is not Call of Duty. So if you retreat from a situation where you're in a 1v3 or a 1v whatever, you're not losing and you're not playing the game wrong. Not being an aggressive player in Tarkov doesn't mean you're playing the game wrong. So if you need to retreat to win, to live another day, to get out and not die, that is not losing in Tarkov. And that's also not playing the game wrong. I think it's a good thing to have the option to just retreat and not engage in your toolbox to address these scenarios and not just dismiss that as playing the game wrong because you're just going to frustrate yourself if you don't leave every strategy on the table to address a PvP situation. Absolutely. It's really easy to get sucked into other games that you've played in the past or other games that are really popular. Tarkov's not Call of Duty. Tarkov's not PUBG. PUBG's the game I probably have the most FPS hours in the past 10 years next to Counter-Strike. This is not PUBG. But the other truth is I can run around go high speed and be a killing machine. I don't particularly enjoy that. I like playing more strategic. I like to survive more. If I do that, my survival chance goes way down. And for me personally, I don't like that. There are some players that like to run and gun like crazy. That's awesome. You can play it however you want, but survival's key. So, you know, you said at the very end of your question, Mr. Knight, I'm not sure I can escape them. Well, if you're choosing to learn how to escape those situations, choose that option and figure out how to get out. And you'll find that to be rewarding and you'll find ways that don't work. But the last thing I would add to this, use utility. Whether you choose a passive strategy or an aggressive one, use grenades to make them do what you want. Do not use grenades to kill people. You'll learn how to kill people with grenades. Use them to move people to start. And once you start learning how to move people with grenades, what happens is people don't react the right way and they die. <laughs> so, so use your utility. It's, ma it's a huge thing. You know, if you die with three grenades in your pockets, you were three grenades short of potentially winning that fight or getting to escape. So use your utility. So uh, yeah, great. Our first question, which we planned on five minutes, we're now halfway through the episode. Here we go. <laughs> uh, so the next question, Zebra writes, I'm a new player and I have a problem occurring as I have a Red Labs key card. I'm having difficulty getting use out of it. So how should a new player go about farming with a Red Labs key card? Now, if you're not familiar with the Red Labs key card, this is an important thing to understand. 
Maybe. It may not even that be important to most players, unless you stumble into one. The Red Labs keycard is perhaps the most expensive item in the game. It's a one-slot item. It is a very rare spawn on scav bosses and in a few places on the Shoreline Resort. And I'm sure there's a couple other places I'm not familiar with. But basically, it gets you into a room on the Labs map, which has another locked area in the room, which has five or six rare loot treasure spawns. And I've been told in the past, this is not confirmed, but it has a minimum value that spawns into that room. So for people that run labs over and over, the red labs card represents the room that everybody wants to get into because it has the best chance of high tier, high value loot. So the red room on labs is often, as the wipe goes on and on and on, a very heavily hit and PvP intense area. Thus, the Red Labs card has a tremendous amount of value, because if you have one and you can sustainably run labs, it will basically guarantee that you can run labs over and over and over and over again if you can successfully farm that room. And it's also the rarest item in the game and has a very, very high value. So that's the Red Labs card. Personally, I find this question very interesting. More on a generic level, though, because I think we've all had this happen, right? Early on, you find something that you've either heard is rare or you're not sure if it's rare. And this question of what do I do with this? How do I operate with this? You know, the the best thing you can do is look stuff up, right? But in the beginning, you don't want to look every single item up. But there are some items that I think most players get familiar with, like a Ledex or an Ophthalmoscope or the Red Labs card or you know, maybe there's some guns that you've heard of that you find one or you, you know, get one uh, randomly because you scavved in and found a dead body with a bunch of stuff. I think the best thing you can do in these scenarios is look it up, see if it's something you want to do. Now, this scenario, I remember talking to Zebra and it was not found in raid because he accidentally took it into a raid, so it, he couldn't sell it. That that would be my first thing is if you if you haven't even played labs yet and you find a red key card sell it. Get the 40 or 60 million or whatever the thing's worth and use that to do other stuff. Labs is not for everybody. I don't even run labs that often. It may be what you want to do, but I think forcing yourself to learn labs because you have a non-find and raid red card is probably just going to lead to frustration because of the qualifier that you're a new player. Or it could be the best scenario possible and you end up loving labs and you have a reason to farm it. Either way, I think that doing the research on rare items and seeing what they're used for, especially if it's a key, right? You're going to find keys all the time. You'll find a reserve key or maybe you find the ultra medical key on interchange. The good news is if they're not finding raid for some reason, because maybe you looted it and died with it in your secure container, you can always go into a offline raid with that key, turn the AI off, go hit that room a couple times. And you'll learn, get some map knowledge, you'll learn if there's some things that you want to try for in online raids. Or you may say, that part of the map doesn't interest me, I don't care about that room, whatever. Offline raids, look it up on the wiki, whether it's a rare item, you can see what it's used for, right? Like a Ledex, for example, if you put a Ledex in on the wiki, you can go see that it's used or you need to find one in raid for a task and you need one for your hideout. So you can make the decision there what you want to do with it. 
So kind of a roundabout answer to this question. Uh, what are your thoughts, man? What do you think if somebody finds a rare item or the red card specifically, what would you recommend? I think if you're a brand new player in Tarkov and you're level one or level two and you're in your first couple of raids and you come out with a bag full of stuff and you have no idea what any of it is, a rule of thumb, an easy way to kind of cheat your way through not having to look everything up is if a trader is willing to pay more than, say, 15000 for an item, you should probably look it up because it's probably worth something. But if a trader is paying, you know, one 1000 to 5000 for something, it's probably just something you can sell. And if you get in the habit of doing that, you're going to be able to kind of pre-sort those valuable items before you open up the flea market and have a chance to see what the market is allowing for a price for whatever that item is. If you're a more experienced player, well, then you kind of get the idea of, well, you know, like this is worth something, that's worth something. And if you play for multiple wipes and you say, okay, well, I'm going to farm a particular item. But there is kind of this this thought of like, what do I do with these ultra rare kind of things? And you have to make a choice. Like if you're not a player who routinely gets, you know, into the 40s or low 50s, I'm not saying it's not possible, but labs is going to be probably difficult for you because at a certain point, that's where all of those players are. It just becomes kind of the top end competitive end of Tarkov for the people that play the most. And because of that, if you don't have the time to keep up with that, you may be a low time but high skill player and you may be able to dominate once once a week in labs. And that is a thing. I know that happens in this game. So this is not a blanket statement by any stretch. I'm speaking to the other rest of the people that it's probably not worth using the way that it's intended. It's more valuable to you and probably going to provide a better play experience for you to just sell it and use those rubles or whatever currency you sell it in to fund either your hideout progression, fund other things on maps that you enjoy, fund the ability to play with your friends, you know, those kinds of things. You're probably better selling those rare spawns. That would be my advice to the majority of people who are playing Tarkov. Yeah, that that trader example you gave, looking up what traders will pay for it, is a phenomenal tool. Not necessarily that you're going to sell the items you don't know, but you can really save yourself a lot of time. And the same rule of thumb actually goes for keys. It's I, I don't know what cutoff amount I would say, but you know if you find a valuable key, uh, usually therapists will pay a significant amount for it. And therapist is usually the barter item buyer anyway. So therapist is a really good one to check on what the value of items are. If it's a barter item or a key. And if she's paying, you know, 10, 20, 30 or way more than that, it's probably worth looking up to see what you got there. So great tip. I really like that strategy. Uh, the next question comes to us from Nicho. I, I always want to say Nacho when I see this in Discord, but I think it's Nicho. Uh, Nigel writes, I certainly related to your discussions on gear fear and exploration fear, but I feel like I'm experiencing another fear. Fight fear. It's the first wipe for me. I'm already at level 35, so I've played quite a bit since the new year. Sometimes I'll fight with somebody and maybe I don't instantly kill them, or maybe I'm near a big fight and have a chance to third party. I often choose turning and running instead of pushing to contest which ensures that I will survive and keep that chance of extraction. Is this common? Is it normal? And what are your recommendations for overcoming it? Is it even a problem at all? 
We're both mm, we're both I smiling. Want <laughs> I wanted you to go first, but I think you're gonna make me do it. <laughs> nope. This you're gonna go first on this one because you made me go first on the one versus three. Um okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um fight fear is real. It's real at any stage of the game. I think all of the other types of fear that we've discussed is probably leading to this conversation. Gear fear, exploration fear, those all lead to fight fear. I mean, if you don't know an area, if you're wearing a bunch of gear or you looted some things that are very valuable and you hear a fight somewhere, those things can cause that internal battle of, I really don't want to take that fight. I want to turn around. Whenever this comes up, though, I always point to, well, what do you want? What do you want out of the game? Do you want to get better at PvP? You may not. So why are you scared of the fight? You have already made the choice and you leave, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. All these little questions. Is it common to be scared of fights in Tarkov? Yes, it's common. Is it normal? Yes, it's common. Do I have recommendations for overcoming it? Yes, I do. Is it a problem at all? No, it's not. Play this game however you want. If you can get to the extraction, which you're level 35 and your first wipe, um, you're doing great, I would say. I think that's fantastic. That's really good progression. But you ask for recommendations for overcoming it. And honestly, it's really simple. And you've heard me say it. I said it earlier in this episode. I said it in the past couple episodes. I hear fighting over there. What am I going to do about it? If you want to overcome fight fear, you have to get in fights. You're going to die. It's going to suck. You're going to lose gear. You're going to lose that M4 that you got on day three of the wipe somehow. You're going to lose your slicks. You're going to lose your class five tack rigs. It's all going to go to somebody else who you may not feel like deserves that gear because they were sniping and waiting. It doesn't matter. The truth is you have to make the choice. What am I going to do about it? And then you have to go fight. And it's going to take, you know, let's say it's Stronghold on Customs in the new expansion area, right? That big concrete building with the lights coming off of it. It's got the connexes outside. There's machine guns on top. It's probably the most intimidating building on the map. It also happens to be where Rashala spawns. If you hear the gunfights and the grenades and everything going on, and you make the choice to go engage that fight at Stronghold, you will die. You will die again. And then you will probably die again and again and again until you don't. And then you found maybe a strategy that will work. Maybe you got really lucky. So you tried that again and you try that strategy again and you're going to die. And then you're going to die again. <laughs> and then you're going to keep dying. But ultimately, you have to make the decision, do I want to get better at PvP? Do I want to get over fight fear? It's not uncommon. There's no problem if you have it and there's no problem avoiding fights. If you're trying to get over it, make the decision to engage. I'm telling you, you do it once, you're going to say, why'd I die? Record it if you can, but if not, okay, well, I took this angle this time. The next time, maybe go to the left instead of the right. If neither of those work, run straight at them. Neither of those work, stay back and try to snipe them, right? Try different strategies. Take the fight, initiate the fight, or maybe you rotate around to the other side and let the fight come to you. There's so many options here if you make the choice to engage. That's how you get over fight fear. That said, I still have fight fear. If I have full bags, if I have gear that I want to get out with, there are times where I will avoid a fight. I have fear of the fight. Not because I'm scared to PvP, because I don't want to lose the stuff in my bag. And it's not even gear fear of what I brought in. It's progression fear or whatever you want to label it. So yes, it's common. Make the choice to fight if you want to get over it. That's my take. 
Well, so I would say in this particular situation, everything that Trigger said is great and correct. I'm going to add a couple things by saying that there is no wrong way to play Tarkov. So is it a problem to hear a bunch of gun battle going on and decide you don't want anything to do with that and that you really never want anything to do with that? No, it's not a problem. And one of the things that I like about Tarkov is that you can play the game in multiple different ways. And you don't necessarily have to always run into a fight and take every fight and be great at that. You can still be successful taking what comes to you and avoiding the big chatterama that happens on every map, wherever that happens. You don't have to dive into that to be successful at Tarkov. If you want to, then do it. Then you're going to record your gameplay, you're going to die a lot, and you're going to have to push yourself to get better if you want that. But don't feel like you have to. I actually specifically dislike the take where people strive to be things that they don't want to be because they feel like it's the only way to play Tarkov. I really don't like that. If you want to play Tarkov, play Tarkov your way. It doesn't matter if the person that you're watching or talks to does it differently and they tell you that your way is wrong. They're wrong. (laughs) It's a video game. I'm just going to say, if you want to get better at something, be prepared to be frustrated. Be prepared to die. If you're asking this question because you've made it to level 35 playing the way that you enjoy to play the game without necessarily being the guy who runs into every fight, don't worry about it. You made it to level 35 and you're having fun playing the game. Don't let other people dictate how you play the game. And that's my answer for this. I agree with all of that. I change how I like to play all the time. Sometimes I sometimes I want to sit up on a rock and snipe and not do anything for 40 minutes, and I enjoy that. Sometimes I want to sprint around and try to fight somebody on my scav because I don't want to lose gear, but I want to charge them down. And other times I want to strategically move around factory, right? There's nothing wrong with any of that. And if you think there is, I don't care. So <laughs> I do the same thing. You're talking to the guy who runs around in factory with an MP7 like a crazy person by myself and either goes until I die or, you know, whatever, clears out the lobby. Or I waited in a bush on customs for 30 minutes to get a task done because I was so mad that I kept dying at doing it. There's no wrong way to play Tarkov. Just do it your way. You made it to level 35. I'm just going to say, don't let people push you into playing Tarkov a way that you don't want to play. If you're going to change your play style, just understand you're going to die a lot because you're going to be doing something new and just be okay with it. You said 30 minutes in a bush on customs and I can just feel the emotion from Boo Boo Got You in Discord. He is going to hear that and he's probably going to be at work listening and his whole body is just going to want to cheer, but he can't because he's sitting at work when he hears this. He's, he's going he's gonna to love it. I think he's like probably the most patient player that I've ever watched and the way he breaks things down is that way. So cheers to you, boo-boo. You got a win there. You have affected Ronald into sitting in a bush for 30 minutes. You've done it. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to attribute that to patience, but it was all tab watching YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate in task completion strategies is YouTube. Which, hey, frankly, man, you start a map out and you turn YouTube on to get some of that time to run off and come back 10 minutes later and run a scav raid on your PMC. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a strat. No problem. Yep. And speaking of one more thing on this, I do want to talk about just one more quick way to get better at a situation is to use your scav. One of the ways that I have gotten better at PvP is I scav and interchange and I chase after the bullets. (laughs) 
And that's just whatever you have is what you have and figure it out. And that has actually given me quite a bit more confidence in my PMC to run into fights. So if that's something you want to try, that's a cheap and easy and really low risk way to do that as well. Absolutely. Uh, And the last question that we're going to have time for on this episode comes from Classic Shot. Classic Shot, but two Zs in there. So I had to enunciate that. But he writes, I've noticed in this game, there's almost a working cog to how a team moves and communicates. Obviously, this enables a team to be successful. But how do you tackle this as a new player or when reaching out to others to play with who may be above or below your skill level? It's an interesting question because actually just this week I had someone reach out to me and I was thankful they reached out to me. They were wondering how to play with people who are better than they were because they were having trouble with just comms and feeling like they were lagging behind and dragging the group down. And it's an interesting thing. If you're going to join a group, especially if you're joining a three-man who's looking for a fourth for the night, you have to understand this is a group of people that play together all the time. They're going to have cultural norms that are outside of what you know, right? They're going to have inside jokes and communications. They're just things you're not going to know. So you just have to understand that, hey, that's just going to be what it is. And you have to make the choice to do that. If you are a player who's looking for some help and you're going to play one-on-one with someone who's much better than you, I would ask them. And what I, what I mean by better is if they're a much higher level. So say you're a new player at level five and you find a level 40 to take you around. I would have a conversation with them before you get into the raid about, okay, you know, what kind of play style do you like to do? Do you like to run around or do you like to play patiently? You know, what what do you like to do? Having that five minute conversation about how you're playing and how you're comfortable playing FPS games will probably save both of you a lot of frustration because the higher level player that has more experience will be able to adapt their play style if they want to to whatever playstyle the you know of the new player that they're trying to help if you can work out just at a basic level that before you start i think it makes the whole concept of playing together with people that you don't know much more successful i would agree with all of that i think the interesting part about this especially as it relates to tarkov is skill is such an interesting and hard thing to define in this game what skill right what is it what does it mean I'm not trying to get super philosophical here, but is surviving most of your raids high skill? Is having a high kill-death ratio high skill? Is getting Kappa container high skill? I could argue against everything I just said and say that none of that matters as far as skill. So the interesting part is when you start piecing together squads, is players of different skill level, right? And, And of course, there's mechanical skill. Of course, there is knowledge of the game and of the maps and all of that. I'm not trying to say that you can't get better at this game. What I'm saying is that there are absolutely skill gaps, but the way they present themselves in Tarkov is actually similar to players who are highly skilled in different things. If you have a highly skilled passive player playing with a highly skilled aggressive player, they will struggle almost as much as a brand new player who is playing with somebody who knows everything about the game. doesn't matter how much they know about the game. It doesn't matter how mechanical they are. They present themselves in the same way. So it all comes back to having the conversation up front. And I think creating the objective is probably the most critical thing. 
if you're just finding two or three other players, regardless of skill level, and you're like, hey, let's go play interchange, it's not going to go well. (laughs) It's not. Or you have to set the objective like, hey, let's go play interchange. Um, I really want to try to do PvP on the top floor of the mall so I can learn it. Right, it sets something for everybody to get on, or I have this task, or I'm trying to get a graphics card, or whatever, and that can allow the new player and the experienced player to have the conversation on how to tackle that based on where you spawn. It can have the aggressive player and the passive player decide on the best tactics that they're both comfortable with, and so on and so forth. But that's why I put this question in here when I read it, because I actually don't think that skill level or play style or anything matters. I think if the objective is to survive and then there are sub and then there are other objectives that everybody agrees on accomplishing, that's going to lead to the most successful raids possible. The best part about Tarkov is you can't plan on what other players are going to do on the map, though. So even given clear communication lines, we have the big objective of surviving. We know how each other plays. This is what we're going to do in the map. You may go to interchange and Killa could be there. That can change everything, right? But it, it all breaks down to just how you talk about things. You know, oh, hey, did you hear that sound? That is Killa's RPK, right? It kind of glitches out and that's how you know he's here, which means there's probably going to a lot of be a PMCs in the middle of the mall. Do you still want to go there because it's going to be kind of hot? There could be a lot of PvP action, right? And it's working through those things that are dynamic in the game. I mean, you could present so many scenarios, but I don't think a low-skill player should be scared to play with a high-skill player. I don't think a low-map knowledge player should be scared to play with a high-map knowledge player. I don't think someone who plays RTS and just got Tarkov should be scared to play with someone, you know, like me that's played FPS for 20 years. That doesn't mean we're not going to get frustrated because this game will get you in situations where you're not comfortable. It's fine. Do it again. I mean, mean, Ronald and I could probably talk about this subject all the time because we have had phenomenal raids. We have had raids where we want to throw our headsets. We've had raids that nothing happened. We wanted things to happen and nothing happened. Everything happens if if you do this. And I mean, we've we've gotten out of raids like, how did we pull that off? We did it. We got well, like all that matters is setting objectives and going for it. And if you don't set objectives, be prepared to die. And that's okay too. We've done that plenty of times. So that's how that's how I would recommend thinking about it. Right? You can't affect the person you're talking to. Right? They're going to think about it their own way. But if you're going into this situation as either the new player or the highly experienced, that's how I would approach it. I absolutely agree with all of that. But that's about it. And we were prepared to die. However, we made it past the Exfil Camper guy. And the green bar is starting to flash, which means we are moments away from disappearing. But before we do, thank you as always for supporting the community by being part of it. And thank you for watching the show on YouTube, listening to it on your audio platform of choice. We ask this week, share it with a friend. If you have a friend who's into Tarkov, share the show with that friend. We are excited about how many new people are joining Discord. We've got tons of people every day. It's really going crazy and it's great. Our community is active and large, so come play. Come find that squad in the LFG channels. Have your conversation about how you want to play the game first and then go group up and have a great night playing Tarkov whenever you do that. But that's about it. So we hope you have good luck this week on whatever you're trying to do and all of your raids go well. And we'll see you later. See everybody. Thank you.